Welcome to today's episode of Her Influence Podcast. My name is Vanessa Hoyes, one of your co-hosts interviewing Joanna LaFleur today, who is brilliant in all things communication. And I have incredible uh, co-hosts with Kathy Ostopchak and Caitlin Kay. You hear them on many of the other podcasts. And we are hosting these true conversations twice a week at the moment leading into our true conference May 22nd May 23rd our very first ever online conference experience a dream in our hearts since the beginning of this year actually even before this current reality existed and I'm so excited to really encourage you today towards registering for this online conference called True. We're hearing from voices whose feet are firmly planted across our nation, women who just toil the soil of and the heart of this nation in so many areas of influence from local church, business, family, education, the arts, the media. You're going to hear incredible voices across two full days you're gonna set aside the time if you can otherwise you can purchase for a few dollars extra the registration so you can have access to that conference all year long and so we know this is going to serve you in this season well we know these voices are going to be prophetic we know it's something that's going to pour courage into you and connect you coast to coast with so many women from across this nation so go ahead and register now for true conference and we're going to dive straight into our conversation today with joanna lafleur on all things true innovation Welcome to the Her Influence Podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence Podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3. Horizon College and Seminary, a center of learning dedicated to prepare leaders for Christian life and ministry, located in Saskatoon. Horizon is launching two amazing initiatives in fall of 2020, a Master of Arts in Ministry Leadership, a program that equips both seasoned and aspiring leaders by combining theological studies, leadership training, and hands-on learning. And in partnership with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Well, I love Joanna. The moment I landed in this country five years ago, I had we had driven from Montreal to Toronto um, to see some friends in a local church there. And this girl walked into my world and hugged me and said, hi, I'm Joanna. And honestly, I feel like one of Joanna's, um, like, I don't know, it's not in your um, bio, Joanna, but you're a friend to leaders all across this nation like a true friend to leaders. And so 
thank you for your friendship and thank you for the conversations. And today she just gets to be really one uh, one part of her. She's a leader, she's a pastor, she's so many things. But today she gets to speak to you as an expert in really um, the digital world. And like I said, like uh, very much not. And so um, I love so much about her and really she is a commu- in this season full-time, a communications consultant and a speaker and a podcaster and a TV show host. And I love what she writes in her website. And she says, I help you strategize creative solutions to communicate the best news in the world in the digital age. And so whatever that best news is, whatever parts of that message that you're carrying that you want to um, communicate to the world and steward that responsibility. I know you're going to love what she has to offer. So to Joanna, the platform is yours. Thank you for being with us. Hi, my friends. Um, thank you. That was um, that was a very gracious introduction. Um, I'm going to share my screen um, because you probably um, will keep track with me better and I will keep better track if we, uh, <laughs> if we, if we have, if we have that. So let me share this. And, um, so today we're talking about, um, here, let me, let me see if I can actually even make this better. We're going to go to full screen mode and then it'll look a bit more like a presentation. Okay. So, um, today we're talking about entrepreneurship. Um, I recognize coming into this that everyone comes from a different starting ground. So um, I will talk about some things, but ultimately I want to engage with you. If you have any questions about how this applies to you or, or, or people that you know that this applies to, I'd love to chat with it because some people might be running a business. Some people might be wondering if they should start. Some people are wondering if it's time to quit their full-time day job. Uh, others have lost a lot of work right now and are trying to figure out how to pivot. There's so many different a context to this. But if you're in the conversation, I assume it's because there's some part of you that's curious about business, running your own small business, maybe growing big dreams that you have um, for the world. So as I have already kind of been introduced here, but yes, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I've been working with the local church uh, and a lot of nonprofits primarily for, uh, for, well, I really started this, like when I was in grade nine, I started doing church communications for a youth group of 300 students. Uh, and in those days, we would, one of the ways we communicated was that we would call every single student every Sunday afternoon on a landline from the church office to invite them out to the service that night for youth. And so we had hundreds of students that would come and we would talk to them or because it was a landline, sometimes we would talk to their mother and after a phone call, a lot of people would make the decision uh, to come to church that night. So that's how we started when I was 14 years old, leading a team <laughs> of church communications and doing like news videos for the youth group. And from there, it's kind of grown into my whole career. In brief, as a part of an introduction of, of me, if you haven't heard some of my story before, I have something what I call the my big black box story, which is basically, I was working at, at a tech company in Waterloo, Ontario, uh, which is like all tech companies doing marketing and public relations and communications work, just coming sort of in the start of my career, coming out of university at Wilfrid Laurier. And uh, I've had this moment where I realized um, as I was with the graphic designer who had the main product we sold on the screen, which basically looked like a big black box. It was technology. It had stuff inside, but what the product 
looked like was a big black metal box. And I felt like as he was playing around with effects on the screen, he said to me, you know, do you like this better like this? How about this? How about this? He says, Joanna, what can I do to make this product look sexy? And I'm like, there's nothing you can do to make this product look sexy. It's just a big black box. (laughs) In that moment, though, I really felt like God spoke to me like loud and clear in that cubicle that day. And he basically said, like, what are you doing? Like, you don't care about the big black box. You know, Joanna, that I've called you to use the same skill set to serve the church. And so I had no idea what to do at the time. But soon after God began opening doors, I became a young adults pastor and began working in church communications and creative work. And um, then over the last number of years, um, a side project, which was consulting and speaking and starting a podcast um, and growing a little side business has had become a point where last June I needed to make a decision um, on, I couldn't keep doing my full-time job in a church, which was called C4 at the C4 church at the time. Now it's called Sanctus church, which is a multi-site church in the suburbs of Toronto. Um, and I couldn't continue to do both the side business I was running, um, the side ministry I was doing, and also the church stuff full time. It was too much. And so I decided prayerfully to leave that and take the leap into, um, into this, into, to running my own business. And so I've been doing that ever since June of last year, full-time, but I've been doing it for years really, um, as a side thing. So that's a means of introduction for me. Um, guiding scripture today, first Timothy six, um, we're in this, I'm going to talk more about this at the conference. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this slide or this content today, but first Timothy six has been sitting with me in this, um, time of, virus, coronavirus stuff, COVID, like the world has changed. The economy has changed the name of the, like the way we play the game, the rules of the game of business and how we earn an income for some of us, especially if we're running our own business, there's been some big shifts that have happened very, very quickly to us. And first Timothy six, there's this invitation, um, from Paul, who's writing to Timothy, who's a young leader and he's encouraging him essentially to not put his, that putting your trust in wealth and your money and how you can earn money is very arrogant, but that what we should do instead is be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. And this way we will lay up a treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. And I love this so that we may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I've been convicted by that out of first Timothy six as my own business has been shifting. And if you're running a business of your own, Um, I don't even know if you call it a business. Maybe people don't feel enough confidence even to call it a business. But if you're running something for yourself, things have shifted. And um, we're all being, I think it's a revealer, isn't it? Of like some things that we didn't realize were there. I know for myself, there's been some stuff about that that I didn't realize that I wouldn't have said I put my trust in money, but when the money in some ways has gone, some of my, my expected income, not all, but some of my expected income for the year has, has stopped. Like projects have been canceled. Things have had to be put on postpone or pause. Any speaking stuff I was doing pretty much has been stopped. And so um, it begins to shake out really clearly or put like a big flashlight highlight on, uh, on the things we trust in. And do we trust the Lord more than the things that we make money doing? So I'm not sure where you're at today. I'd love to, you know, to engage at the end of this with some questions and answer about that. But 
read First Timothy 6, come to the conference. I'll talk more about that. This cultural moment, this moment we are in, every organization, big and small, must act like a startup and is primarily a media distribution company. What I mean by this, we'll break it down into two parts. Every organization must act like a startup. Good news. If you have a startup or are thinking of starting a business, you are in basically equal footing in some sense with some of the largest companies in the world right now because everyone has to change the way they run business. Everyone is running their business out of their bedroom or their, or their secondary uh, bedroom or their living room or their basement. Even the largest companies in the world are running right now like startups. I've seen pictures of CEOs of major corporations who are like sitting on their couches in between all their kids, right? Like that's how startups go. <laughs> so you're in great company. And actually what that means is if you are a startup or a small business, um, you actually have the ability to pivot like a, like, you know, the analogy of the cruise ship versus the speedboat. because you're small, you have the ability actually to pivot much quicker than some of these large organizations. And you're probably more familiar with the feeling of not, of being cash strapped, um, trying to figure it out as you go, um, uh, working at home with all the dynamics of that, taking risks, um, all the things that are sort of true of what you're doing as a small business as now what the big guys are trying to figure out. So in that sense, actually, I think there's some competitive advantage for the small company. And so then the second half of this quote is that not only are we, are we at a good advantage point if we're startups, but primarily a media distribution company. So, I mean, Gather Women is a perfect example of this. Uh, a really an organization that is an events centered organization, whether that's events like a small group in a home, a small gathering or a large national gathering, um, an event-based organization now pivoting and trying to figure out how to do all things digital, all things media and podcasts and Zoom calls and online conference, which was, I love the beauty of that actually. If you don't know, um, from long before the, the shutdown, the lockdown, the quarantine that we're all in, um, it was always the plan this year that this would be an online conference. And it was really the providence of God um, preparing and going ahead. So a media distribution company, we can we can dive more into that, but it, it'll look different for different companies. But essentially, everyone is in the game of sharing media and content and video and, you know, written articles and all this kind of digital stuff. Um, so where do we, <laughs> so if you're running a business or you're thinking about starting one, I, the, one of the big things I want to highlight today, this mentorship compass, something I talk about all the time. If we're in a brand new world, if we're in this cultural moment that no one's ever been through before, um, where do we go? What do we do? Um, how do we find our way? I mean, it's un, it's it's sh shifting sands for so many of us. So um, in all seasons, but certainly one where we're in uncertainty, um, I, I talk a lot about um, this mentorship compass. What I mean by that is north, south, east, west. Mentorship compass meaning north are the people who are mentoring us. South are the people who we are pouring ourselves into and developing. East, west are our friends, our peers, uh, along the way. And if we miss any part of this, north, south, east, or west, then we can go off track really quickly, which is why I like the analogy of the compass. If we're missing um, the south, if we're missing the north, we can be unsure of what the future looks like. We don't have a lot of guidance. If we're missing the east and west, we can be discouraged. We can feel like we're the only one. We can feel lonely. We can lose perspective on where we are 
uh, where we're like where we are in the world and actually how we're probably doing better than we think we are. And the South is uh, who we're pouring into is is fundamentally about about not becoming a self-centered, selfish person, uh, someone who actually shares and gives and, and becomes someone who offers themselves meaningfully to other people. But I think the other thing that mentorship does when we serve and develop other people, it actually keeps us really sharp um, because they're asking questions we probably haven't thought about in a long time. They're asking why, like, like imagine being followed around by the two-year-old who's asking why, why, why? And it helps us to sharpen ourselves and think about the why. And so we want to be developing um, all of these points. And so I encourage you today to think which one of these feels the least full in your life and like, what could you do about it? North, South, East, and West. Um, and, and also I say on this slide, build your personal board of directors. Um, some of you probably already have some frame of reference for this, but my encouragement with anything to do with mentorship, um, when I'm thinking specifically of the North direction, the people who are mentoring you, there is not one person I mean, we who can be all things to us. I think we can quickly become um, disillusioned or hurt or disappointed, frustrated with mentorship um, because we put way too much. We, we lift these mentors into like a superhero position as if one person could be all things to us. Um, of course, and we, you know, we can do the same with our, our spouse. We can do the same with friendships um, and this superhero mentality. Um, so, for example, we all need someone to advise us financially. Um, when we're leading a business, we need some help with our accounting and tax and investments and money. The person who's good at mentoring us in our money and investing and how to leverage that is probably going to be really terrible at relationship advice or like spiritual guidance and prayerful insight into, uh, you know, the future of your work. Um, maybe that's in the same person. But you know what I'm trying to say, that there, that people are usually really strong in one or two things and not strong in all areas. So I would encourage you to, to, take a, to write a list of some areas you would like mentorship in. So it could be um, spiritual mentorship, financial, um, you know, the stuff to do with your money, debt, investment, taxes, I don't know, whatever that part of your life is, um, stuff to do with your relational things or your family relationships, things to do with business growth, whatever, whatever that list is for you. And I encourage you to put different names beside each one of those on the list, because it's very unlikely that one person will fit in more than about two categories because it's just simply unfair of us to put all of that on one person. Um, there are some remarkable people who can advise us in multiple categories, but for the most part, I would encourage you to find different people in different categories of, of the, the, the advice that you're, you're needing. And certainly in a time like this where it's so new to so many of us, uh, we, we need advice from a few different sources. Um, and, and, um, I think we all probably already know those people, even and put on that list, people you would like, like put, put like a, like an audacious goal person on the list. Like an example in my own life would be, I work now, um, I do one day a week of work for Danielle Strickland and she's speaking at the conference coming up and the, the relationship between her and I just went like this. We seem to be in the same places a lot, like whether speaking at an event or she came on the TV show I did, she spoke at my church, I was doing all this stuff. So I just wrote to her, I wrote her an email and said, seems like we keep running into each other. 
I basically, you know, can I buy you a coffee? And I made sure it was on her turf, i.e. like near to her house on her schedule in her timing, convenient to her and I'm paying, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Um, Don't make, don't make them do any of the work. And so she agreed. She said she would have coffee with me. We kept it really short. I think she agreed to like less than an hour. And it was at the coffee shop at the end of her own street. And at the end of that coffee, she said to me um, something like, we should do this again sometime. So she expressed as the mentoring person that she desired for this not to be a one-time thing. It's the same as dating, right? We don't want to like ask someone to get married before we've even gone on a date. It's super creepy. The same with mentorship for our business or for our spiritual life or whatever else. So at the end, she said, let's do it again. I waited two months because, again, I'm not trying to um, take more of her time than is appropriate. And I asked her again two months later if we could meet. And then from there, it's developed into something which ended up becoming unexpectedly a part of my job. Um, where I now work for her, we've built trust over time. We get to travel, um, together and work on some really exciting projects for discipleship and, uh, digital content in the world. So that's not how all mentoring stories go. Sometimes when you ask someone to mentor you, they just say no, and that's okay. Put more people on the list so that if the first person says no, you ask the next person. And again, it's all part of that idea of not putting all your eggs in one basket or getting really hurt or disillusioned by one person being expected to be all things. Like I would, I wouldn't ask Danielle Strickland for financial advice for my business. Um, I would ask her for spiritual advice for my business or leadership direction for my business as an example. Okay. I've beat, I've beaten that down. We can talk about that more if you want. Um, so the ask that I've kind of talked about the ask of how to find mentorship, but then there's these other elements of ask. I wanted to just jump into quickly for business. We want to think of, of asking people or building relationships with people we might want to partner with in business. Um, so this is the idea of mutual collaboration. Um, so there's some people that I've started projects with, um, in my world where we, Um, we get to do things together that makes sense because we have similar goals, um, but we can help each other achieve them. Um, Friendships and business is just a great strategy to have. There are people who have, for example, I'm part of a church communications Facebook group with 25,000 people in it. I don't run the group. I'm part of the group, but through some partnership, they've um, enabled me to have access to communicate my stuff to that group of 25,000. And in return, I'm offering them, um, I do a, I do a free, it's free to them. I don't, I don't get paid to do this, but every week on Mondays, I do a a live show on church communications in this group of 25,000. And so the exchange there as a partnership is that gives me access to a potential group of 25,000 customers for my consulting or products or things like that. And then in return, they get great content for their platform. So you want to think about what are things that are mutually beneficial. Um, There are things you can probably do um, a bartering and exchange system with partners and people you would trust to do business with sponsorship and ads. This is something I talk a lot about. I don't know if Brooke Nichols is still on the call, but we were, we were just talking about this with her own business. Um, she leads worship and does, you know, music full time. She's an artist. She writes songs. She just has been nominated for Juno award. So this is her full time deal. Um, but now in this climate, there's no one hosting a concert at all. And so, um, she's got to pivot her business 
and figure out a new way to make money. So one of the things that we've been talking about is um, who are the organizations that want to talk to the exact same people that Brooke already is talking to? So Brooke or you, you have an audience, whether that's an audience of 10 or an audience of thousands, there is a group of people that you have trust with, that you have rapport with, that you're building a rapport with. And we can talk about that um, if you want to, in uh, to do with how to build rapport with your audience, but you have this little audience and actually there are sponsors, there are organizations who are desperate to talk to the same people that you already talk to all the time. And so you want to think of organizations that you have a like-mindedness with. Um, so to consider if they might want to sponsor the thing you're doing. So for example, um, uh, with, um, so I was talking with Brooke about what some sponsors would be. I won't talk about her stuff because that's for her to talk about, not me, but for myself, I have sponsors on my podcast. The first year I did the, the first season I did the podcast, my goal was just to do it, figure it out, see if I even liked it. After that, my goal was uh, to try and break even, i.e. find a sponsor or some, some ad space that could help me cover my costs. And then from there, my goal was actually to try and start making money because it takes hours to do a podcast. Like it's a huge part of my life <laughs> to do all this stuff for the podcast. So I wanted to see if it could become a real viable part of my business. So I made a list of of organizations that I thought might want to reach similar people to the kinds of people I'm trying to talk to and I am talking to. So that might be uh, a charity that might be um, a, an academic institution. If you're in a Christian or if you're a Christian run kind of business, it might be like a Regent college or a seminary or a Tyndale in Toronto, or, you know, list all of these, you know, if you're trying to talk to young people and that school is trying to reach young people to come to their school, well, that's a match. Or maybe you, you work in um, the health and wellness space. Well, who are other organizations who are also in that space who might want to do ads or sponsorship of your product, your event, your service? your podcast. If you had a video series, maybe they want to be, if you're doing like a video series of teaching and training on something, the series could be brought to you by the sponsors who are also trying to position themselves to reach the same kinds of people. Customers is the last one in there. Um, uh, solving clear problems for people. This is the big thing. I mean, you will have customers if you help them solve a problem. If you don't solve a problem and can't clearly articulate what problem you solve, no one will buy your thing and no one will buy you. No one will come to your Zoom or your podcast or your, I don't know, your webinar or whatever. We need to be as clear as possible about the problem or problems. Ideally, it's as few problems. Like if you can, if you can narrow that down to like, the problem you solve really succinctly, you're going to be clearly finding the people who have that problem that you can help them solve. <laughs> um, so, you know, again, it depends on the kind of organization you have um, or the type of thing that you're trying to solve. You know, for me, it's about, it's about people who I always say that I think that the church has the best news. It's not just good news. It's the best news in the world. So we should be the best communicators in the world. But the problem is that most people aren't quite sure how to communicate and really aren't sure how to communicate in a digital context. And so uh, I help them solve the problem of how to communicate the best news in the world in the digital age. 
So do you solve a problem? Um, there's an exercise you can do if you want to take a screenshot or um, you can Google this. It, it's, you can find this online, the onlyness exercise. And basically these da dashes you'll see on the screen are, um, are like to fill in the blank. And, and if you Google that, you, if we have more time, I do this a lot of the time with my clients, actually. The onlyness statement is this blank business is the only and it's kind of answering the who, what, where, when, why, how, but coming at it a different way to kind of create a mission statement, a purpose statement, a clarity statement of who you are and the problem you solve in the world. So I'll use an example from fashion. Um, this fashion blogger company is the only fashion blogger that writes specifically around cl about clothing sales for women on a budget living in Canada who want to be stylish but not break the bank in an era of fast fashion. I mean, what you could do this for any company. You could say Harley Davidson is the only motorcycle company that sells big, fast hogs for rough and tough middle-aged crisis, middle, you know, midlife crisis men in the world who want to relive their youth in an era of youth being precious. I don't know, whatever. You could do this for any company in the world, but I encourage you to think of trying to play around with this idea of the onlyness exercise for yourself. The idea is to find the thing that is only unique to you and what you do so that you can help solve problems. Um, we could spend three hours on that, but we won't. Um, if you're familiar with story brand, this is, I'm, I'm going to just quickly jump through this week uh, and we can come back to anything you want in the Q and I'm seeing a bunch of comments come in, which I assume are some questions. Um, I just haven't looked at them yet. Story as currency. So in our culture, if you can become a storyteller, um, you will win people to you and you will win people to the thing you are, the product service that you are selling. Um, the, the key to this, when you think about the story brand, if anyone's familiar with story brand, again, you can be trained in a whole course over multiple days of how to tell your brand and your product, like a story that helps people find themselves in it. Cause we are meaning makers. Humans are meaning makers and they want to find themselves in the story. But the key is that they are the hero. Number one, make them the hero, not you. You are the guide to solving the problem. They have a problem and you will guide them to the answer, but you want to paint the future of if they succeed, if you, if you, if they take your advice, their life will look like this. And if they don't take the guide's advice, their life will look like this. I mean, it's ultimately this idea we can do with how we write things for our website, how we pitch things on an Instagram story, um, how we talk in a client meeting or a pitch or whatever that may be, if we're trying to sell something. We want to make them the hero, not ourselves. Too many organizations make the mistake of trying to be the hero when they're not the hero for the guide. The hero has a problem and you're there to help them solve it. Um, these are my comms philosophies I normally talk about with churches that I, that I do work with um, or, you know, nonprofits. Most of this we don't need to touch on too far today, especially number two. This doesn't super apply here, but I wanted to say digital first. Um, certainly in this time, we, all we have is digital right now, but not digital only. I would encourage you to think of 
tactile, physical things you could do even now in this mainly digital space we have to live in? Is there something you could mail to people? Is there something you could do to make? Is there gifts you could send people? Is there a card you could send people? Is there a promotional piece you could send people like physically? Um, because people um, really do appreciate, like we need to be digital first and communicating as clearly as we can on the internet and have most of our clearest information there. But if we can complement that with some in-person interaction or tactile things, it only emphasizes and makes it stronger. Number three, I wanted to touch on this. We tell the truth. Um, what I mean by that is audiences aren't stupid. They know real quickly if they buy your thing and it wasn't what they they said it would be. So I think of this in a church setting. Um, the example I always use is like when people post pictures to make a that always look like the room of their church is like got a thousand people in it by the angle of the photo. And then someone showed up at the church and they realized there's only like a hundred people there. There's nothing wrong with having a church of a hundred people. That's wonderful. But if you sold something to people that made it look different than it was, then as soon as people arrive at the real thing, you've broken trust with them. So that can be true. Like it's a classic, like we all know that the hamburger on the McDonald's ad is not the one that you're going to get in the box. It's delicious. And I want it anyways, but we know it's not what the, what the picture is. Um, and certainly as Christians, we want to make sure that we're presenting in a, in a way that looks great, but isn't making things look um, like more than they really are. Um, it's an integrity issue. And it's, and if people um, break, if you break trust with someone um, by not representing things well, um, it's really hard to get that back. Um, there's some other things here, target market, and we could talk about social media, feeding the algorithm. Uh, I won't spend too much time here other than to say email list, build your email list, build your email list, build your email list. It's not sexy. It's not exciting, but it's the number one thing you control. And all these other things get to decide what the first content is that people see in the morning. But if you email someone, they will see it in their inbox. They might see it in their junk mail, but they will more likely see it because they're there every day versus the stuff you're posting on social media. So yes, of course, use social media, but um, email is number one. The, the thing about Facebook I would recommend to most people is groups, just like the group that's leading this. Um, this true conversation thing. Groups are where it's at. Facebook's pushing it up the algorithm right now. We can talk more about that if you want. Um, I would say with all this list of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you, like all this stuff, we can't be all places doing all things unless you have like full-time social media people. I would say my advice would be get your real estate, quote unquote, on all the platforms, i.e., if you don't use Twitter because you don't have time for it, just get your handle on Twitter, put a little picture in a bio and say like, hey, like I spend most of my time on Instagram, find me there, link through. Um, just have it because maybe in the future you would like to use it and you want to make sure you own the real estate for your name brand or your name on the platform, but you don't need to feel the pressure to use them all. I would just say to point to the ones you do use and focus on one or two depending on who your audience is, would probably depend on what I'd recommend. You know, if you're talking to 15 year olds, please don't use Facebook. They're not there. Um, feeding the algorithm, the more people, uh, in, uh, the, the goal of social media companies is for you to stay on their site as long as possible. And so how do you stay on their site longer? By clicking, by tapping, by writing things, by engaging, by swiping through things on Instagram. So Instagram, like feed the beast, 
and it will reward you with your content being higher up. It is a bee, a bit of a beast, but taps and clicks is time and they want more time and attention on their platforms. So um, if you have like an image that has a slider that intrigues people to slide through to the next image on your Instagram carousel, um, you know, on your picture, you have like, what are we doing now? I don't know. And then like the next one is like, like a fact. And then like it, it asks people to slide through them all. You're going to have people stay on your content longer, which Instagram would reward you with pushing that content higher up for more people to see because they want people to spend more time. Ask questions of people and they might reply. If you ask a question and they reply, it means more time and more taps and more clicks on their platform, which they reward by having your content show up more and more for people. Um, okay, well, we're going to stop there. I've just dumped a ton of stuff. I don't know how much time we have. And I see that there's a ton of questions. So this is just et cetera, et cetera. What do you want to talk about? You can find me on the internet, joannalafleur.com. You can email me, um, but you can probably find me through this group somehow. You can just find me on Facebook or wherever you found this um, Zoom call and we'll leave it there. And we can now uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. So I see there's a ton of questions, but can someone moderate that and ask me the questions? Because I can't read them all quickly. Well, first of all, I'll just jump in and say thank you so much, Joanna. We get to do Zoom clap. However you do Zoom clap for Joanna. <laughs> and um, honestly, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And what I love about the wisdom is how you framed it just with the scripture at the very beginning. And in our interns right now, we're talking a lot about voice and what we have to offer the world. And so um, business or no business, we all have an invitation into this world to continue to move the kingdom forward and so thank you so much for all of that wisdom and um this will be available later and then we will podcast some of this as well so and um, rebecca's going to just host a few questions for us yeah we've had some great questions come in so i'm going to ask you one then we have a guest question and then and um, so some of them have been sent to me and and we're going to have somebody also offer one and the first one is what if someone doesn't have any names to put on their mentor list but feels like that's something that they really want. And this actually wasn't my question, but this is something that I personally dealt with for a long time. So I thought it was an amazing question. So what about that person who doesn't know where to start? Yeah, I mean, I think the first place to look for people is probably within our own church community. If we're in a church, um, there are probably some, um, I mean, if we're talking business specifically, there are business people in every church. Um, we just need to have our, I, I have our eyes open. And so to that on a very practical level, I literally pray <laughs> not, this isn't the cliche. It's literally like, God, I'm going to church today. Give me eyes to see who are the people that I need to talk to, to help and encourage today. And who are the people I need to talk to who are going to help and encourage me. It can be as, as like, God, give me eyes to see. And, you know, there will be people that God might point out to you that might surprise you that, um, if we ask to have clarity on who's already around us, it uh, it might surprise us. I think on the other side of that is, um, you know, the internet is full of, of, of wisdom. And so some mentorship that we get doesn't have to be people we know. Um, there are people who have podcasts and Instagram accounts and, um, you know, content you can get free or paid on, on the internet, like video content or course content, training stuff in anything under the sun. Um, 
And from there, it might develop into a real relationship. That's the beauty of the social media world is someone you might have watched like they're like, <laughs> this is like a nerdy thing. I use this program called Ecam to do my Facebook live broadcast. And there was a guy who did like 15 training videos on YouTube for free about how to use this program. Cause I was new at it. I watched all his YouTube videos about how to use Ecam for my Facebook lives. And, uh, then I found him on Instagram and I rest, I sent him a direct message and I just said to him how much I appreciated his content. And I don't know, we just sort of started a, a like a mini relationship from there. And, um, he's now someone I think I'm going to try and ask questions to in the future, like personal questions about the video online world that he knows so much about. Um, and he may or may not want to engage with me on all of that stuff, but at least you can try. There's all kinds of people online who we can try to reach out to. Perfect. Thank you so much. And actually, um, we had a, a wonderful question from Aisha as well, but you answered her question while you answered that question. So um, okay. she just messaged to say thank you for that. Um, such, a, such a great answer. The next one I think is extremely pertinent and probably very common and people don't always say, but you know, um, how much does confidence play a role and what are the things that hold, like keep women um, from stepping forward, keep, keep women from um, really discovering their potential and making a difference? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, that's where I think, um, that, that the thing where I talked about the peers, if we're offside there, if we have no friends or crappy friends, um, it can, it can, I think be a huge effect on our confidence. I mean, there's lots of stuff in, in all the lives of women who have told us to not be bigger and, um, to not be stronger or to not be more successful. Um, I think I face that all the time. Um, I get in my own head too, but that's where, if we have some of that East West, some people in our life, um, who are friends and who can like be a bit of a mirror to us and tell us the things that they see in us that are strong, cheer us on, or like, Hey guys, I'm about to ask this person if they might want to have coffee with me. Could you pray for me? I'm nervous. I'm about to ask, you know, and like, are there a few, is there one or two girlfriends um, who would, who would be the person on that text message be like, yeah, I'm going to pray right now for you. Like, and again, whether they say yes or no, like that doesn't mean you're not a great person. <laughs> Those people who can like kind of cheer us on and build us up. If we only have East West, I think like the, the East West mentorship, I think we can get like an inaccurate, um, like we can maybe get a bit of a big head if we just have people cheering us on all the time without a mentor to kind of help us look ahead and like, see how we can grow. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do think confidence is huge. I think, uh, it, there's lots of stuff in my own work now and historically that was, um, hard to do because I was always afraid of what people would think the podcast being a great example. Um, you know, putting that podcast out in the world was scary because like people were going to judge me. Like, what do they think? Who am I to start a podcast? Like, what do I know about anything? There's so many more experts than me. Um, I thought people were going to think I was like too ambitious or something, but you have to kind of like get, get some voices that are cheering you on and do it. <laughs> and Hey, if you need therapy, take that too. <laughs> So at the, at the end of the day, just take the leap, just do it. Right. And, and manage your yeah. expectations. I, I th so good. 
Yeah, I think it, it is trendy right now to run your own business, partly because it's easier than ever to do it in a digital world. And like being a media production company, you can do from your bedroom now. Um, so it is easier than ever. But at the same time, I also would say it's not for everyone. Um, that doesn't mean you aren't lacking confidence. I think maybe that's an acknowledgement of self-awareness. You know, some people are not risk, are, are really risk adverse. They don't want to work for themselves. They really like working and the situation of your life, you know, requires that you need more health benefits and I mean, some other things. So there are certainly probably some ways you can be less risky as you grow a business. Like I, as I said, I worked full time and did this on the side until I took the leap to doing it full time. Um, but um, yeah, at some level, you just got to do it, <laughs> just take the jump. But I would also acknowledge that it, it's not even necessarily a confidence issue. I just think that some people, yeah, running your own business is not for you. And that's okay. Not everybody has to do that. For sure. So last question for, for the day, and then we'll wrap up is just, so when you're talking about our branding and our personal brands or personal organizations, so is what you're saying then is um, what you want is for people to see ourselves, that we should be seeing ourselves in our, our personal brands and, and what we're doing. Yeah, I think it's easiest to build an organization that reflects you in some ways. Um, you know, if you're, um, if you're, I don't know if we talk about Enneagram numbers, right? Like lean into that a little bit, maybe like um, you don't want your business probably to look like if you're not a super serious person, then why is your business super serious? I think when we work for other people, we have to wear some personality of the organization that we work for. You know, if you work in the bank, you got to wear the suit and, and do what the boss has asked you. But if you're building something for yourself, it can reflect you. And I think you'll, and again, it's maybe part of that tell the truth thing that I was talking about. People will smell it out pretty quick if you're trying to be something different than your own personality. If you're a, if you're a, a serious person and a thinker and you love facts and, and academic stuff and research, then like lean into it. Like people want that from you. And if you're like a silly, goofy person, you know, I think of a friend of mine, Joy Egerich, who runs a speaker agent, speaker and writing agent. She's a literary agent and a speaker agent. And if you follow her on Instagram, she's got a huge following on Instagram. And she has this ridiculous thing she does where her baby has like another persona and has, she has like a voice that she does for the baby. Like it's just ridiculous and funny. Um, and that's like sort of part of her brand is being a silly, playful person. Well, that is all. Thank you so much. It's all the questions I have for today. Um, just a reminder for everybody, I'm going to pass it back to Vanessa, but just a reminder to register for True Conference, to connect in our Facebook group. We will put all Joanna's links and all the information that, that you see here. By tomorrow, we'll post a summary of notes for those of you who just wanted to listen but couldn't take notes. We have note takers um, during these sessions, so we'll have those posted for you. So thank you all, and, and back to you, Vanessa. Well, like I said, Joanna, thank you so much. And as the girls, when you get to read through the comments, they're all just thanking you for your wisdom and lots of little standout moments. And we do continue the conversation over in the closed Facebook as well. And Kathy's just going to share for a moment about our next few guests coming up um, in our true conversations. So thanks, Kathy. Yeah, and I wanted to say a personal thank you to Joanna. I know our first meeting um, was. Um, 
we talked about our, your strengths, that you have ideation as a strength. And I just thought, I need more of you. And Joanne has actually been a mentor to me in so many ways. And I think for all of you girls saying like, well, I don't really have my own business, but you are your brand. You are your business. Yeah. And we, we keep so much private. And then there's stuff that's published. And I think for you to decide, what do I need to publish? What do I need to go out have out there in the world, even if it fails, even if the message is not heard, because you know that a writer writes like 99 screen, you know, screenwriters write 99 scripts and one of them gets published and you only need one yes. And also in this day and age, like the woman that decided to do uh, funerals virtually (laughs) before the pandemic, she's riding high right now. So just to kind of, you know, don't be scared. And Joanna left her job to do what she's doing now. And we're all the uh, beneficiaries of her wisdom. I hope you enjoy that episode as much as I did. I got so many incredible moments of revelation and great uh, tools for some of my next steps actually in terms of this online world. And that's what these true conversations are. They're just super practical, really help you for this season that feels like an intermission, but really it's a season of preparation. So join us at True Conference this year in just a few weeks time. If you're listening to this episode live, don't forget to go to gatherwomen.com backslash true. Register now for this online experience and join your voice with what is happening across the nation of Canada. I believe together we're going to usher something strong, declarative and prophetic into the next season of our nation's future. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations, and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.